lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. We're going to open up the phone lines next hour and let you join in. At 888-900-3393 for our Monday Town Hall. Gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about. Well, only the disintegration of our cultural fabric and your take on it. 888-900-3393 next hour. In fact, today, today's focus is going to really be a lot on letting everybody, as many people at least as we can reach, starting with ourselves this hour, just get some things off their chest and what we have watched transpire in our nation over this last weekend. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash stevedace. That's youtube.com slash stevedace. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader will be joining us. Um, our home city of Des Moines was one of the cities that saw a protest this weekend. And the way things wrapped up last night, far different than the way they did the previous two evenings. We're going to talk about how that occurred and if that was an outlier or if we just got lucky. I mentioned already, we're going to turn this over to all of you in the next hour. But before we get to all of that, today I would like to give you the rundown of what happened while we were away. I, I would like to share some thoughts, and then you may do with them for the rest of your day, which you will. What is happening in America right now, what we've watched transpire this weekend are the most vivid examples yet why Revival or Bust has been our show mantra vision for years now. There are too many Americans who either were not taught the American vision that there is a God, our rights come from him, and the primary purpose of government is the protection and preservation of those God-given rights. Too many Americans who were not taught this, or they are opposed to it now, to have a unifying melting pot around core values as we used to have which helped us rise above our imperfections and injustices in past eras to still produce the greatest beacon for liberty this fallen world has ever seen. But that light, it is, it is flickering now. Therefore, there's only one outcome here. Revival or bust. Either another great awakening will take place, which brings us back to the old magic, if you will, or there will be some form of national divorce which is what bust is, because these views are not reconcilable. When one spouse thinks the only reason the other could possibly disagree with them on anything is the most sinister of motivations possible in every case, that marriage, as is, it, it cannot be saved. Our cities aren't secure. Our nursing homes aren't secure. Our churches are not open. Our kids can't go to school or the playground. Our businesses cannot fully open. We now have 40 million people unemployed. If it was any other country, any other country, we would consider this to be divine judgment. 
we are on the wrong side of his story here. And this brings us to President Trump, who now does become a central figure in how this plays out. And I say this after the last few years of saying he is really the symptom here, not the cure nor the disease. But I think that's about to change, not because of him uniquely, but because of what those who love him or hate him more than they should, what they see in him. On one side, you have people that think they found themselves in American Winston Churchill. And the other side recognizes the worldview they seek to erase thinks that. And therefore, they've made making America become a failed state on Donald Trump's watch, their personal mission, their personal D-Day. This is their all-in moment to have this country fail on Trump's watch. Caught in the middle of this are Trump's strengths and weaknesses as well as this goulash of beliefs he's assembled around him in his administration and the movement that brought him to the White House. For every culture warrior, there's a Jared Kushner or Steve Mnuchin. For every great evangelist, there's a Paula White. So his administration is constantly driving with the gas and the brakes at the same time, often having the right initial instinct, impulse to do what is right first, but then lacking the follow-through, the will, once enemy resistance is met. Meanwhile, the enemy sees our resistance as barely a speed bump here. In California right now, law enforcement won't stop looting of private businesses and riots, but they will stop you from really having church. St. John's Church last night nearly burnt down. Every president since Madison has held or attended at least one service there. If you tried to have a wedding or a church service there, you'd be arrested in Washington, D.C., but apparently you're not arrested for lighting it on fire. And a majority Republican Supreme Court signed off on what I just said. In most places in America right now, a large gathering of people cannot eat at a restaurant, but they're free to burn it down. You were safe from the virus at the biggest of big box stores, but no family-owned local business for some odd reason. And a vocal segment of our population has made covering their faces with surgical hijabs, hijabs, whatever the hell you want to call it, which actual science shows isn't going to save them from anything. They've made that their virtue signal worth dying for. Up until now, President Trump has largely gotten by with tough talk. He's done good things. We have talked about them here on this show. They have brought me from a place of not being able to vote for him four years ago to wanting to see him reelected four years later. But let's also be honest with one another. They've all been really easy. He hasn't really defied any part of the system that defies us. Hasn't defied any courts. Hasn't defied any lawless governors in their sanctuary cities. Really hasn't defied anything. We've largely judged him on a sliding scale in comparison to his predecessors because of how betrayed we've been by the Republican Party all these years. Brett Hume is on Twitter today, I can't evening, when really it was people like him and Charles Krauthammer and much of the Fox News lineup that said to Republicans not to listen to conservatives like me, not to confront this insurrection in our ranks, on our campuses, in our neighborhoods, in our media, in our pop culture, not to confront it. It was too politically uh, costly not to do so. Instead, take the path of least resistance. And so because that's been our Republican Party all these years, we view Trump on a sliding scale by comparison. Whether Trump is truly the Batman here, who's come to finally confront the mean street of Gotham, mean streets of Gotham or not, that's irrelevant. 
Because what's happening now is the spirit of the age has upped the ante thinking that he might be. Or because many of us think that he is. So the Joker has revealed himself. Chaos reigns. And if all, if all that we saw going on in our midst was any doubt whatsoever, the spirit of the age is alive and well. The Joker has revealed himself. And if we did not believe there was going to be a cost to wanting to finally confront this, surely we do now. We wanted to confront these shibboleths. We were right to. The shibboleths have supersized it in response. Trump's tough, tough talk won't suffice here. He tried it on Twitter. They instantly called his bluff and censored him again the very next day. He's tweeting about the rioters, yet the riots continued. He's not up against newsroom metrosexuals obsessed with avocado toast, nor is he up against has-been deep state bureaucrats trying to use MSNBC's paltry platform to conduct some Pink Panther-level clumsy coup or the space cadet known as Nancy Pelosi. These people... That these libs we've wanted to own so badly, they have never been the real villains, merely caricatures. The likes of CNN and its ilk are Trevor Slattery, doing political porn for largely wealthy and white, white fake woke, woke folks to get off on in between their croquet golf tournaments and Howard's Inn book club meetings. This is pathetic content for the self-righteous to justify being even more so. Wealthy white people who think they're down with the struggle when really they're just down with doing Marie Antoinette impersonations. They're not the real Mandarin here. They're not the real insurrection. The real Mandarin phoned home with a riot at CNN's corporate headquarters, ironically enough, so that you would know. We would all know who the real thing is and accept no substitute. The real Mandarin called Trump's bluff on Twitter the next day. The real Mandarin has been out in the streets this weekend calling Trump's bluff all weekend long and then filming beatings with their phones rather than helping the victims. See, the real Mandarin thinks Trump is just some bloviating billionaire. He's not your Tony Stark. He's not some badass and he's never going to become your Iron Man. He's going to launch rockets into space like it's 1969 while your kids here at home are not permitted a 2020 wedding or graduation. All show and no go, all style, no substance. The spirit of the age is calling Trump's bluff, which means it's really calling many of ours. Just as it did when it made too many of us stay home, lose our jobs and businesses and all over unvetted science that has proven to be junk from the bowels of flat earth. Italy's now saying the virus is gone. Why? Because it's 90 degrees there pretty much every day now. What we knew all along about respiratory viruses since the 1700s. Some of you are still at home emailing me about your Second Amendment and how you're trapped in your homes and one of these things is not like the other. We don't need any more tweets or addresses. The nation is past rallying from the Oval Office with remarks off a teleprompter and sentimentality anyway. We need action. We only need action. Starting with Antifa and all other mobs who are violent loot and are not instantly, they, and, and, and if, if they're not instantly declared domestic terrorists and treated accordingly. Well, Trump sent out a tweet saying we're going to do that. I don't, uh, no, 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 no. 
They are to be treated now like the way we used to treat terrorists before we thought they needed a damn jobs program, but a coffin instead. They are to be treated accordingly. If state and local law enforcement will not protect their citizens, they should be defunded at the federal level. Just as federal authorities had to once enforce the 13th and 14th Amendments, when states and locales wanted to remain racist in the past, they will defend the Constitution from their lawlessness now. The oath says all enemies, Mr. President, foreign and domestic. That includes criminal charges against state and local officials who don't defend the civil rights of their citizens. We are overdue for a broad and finally honest conversation about race in this country in our time, both how far we've come and where we still need to go to come now and reason together. I have thoughts on that as well. I've seen in my own life how the gospel can break down barriers, turn a white right winger into friends with the longest serving chairman of his state's NAACP, turn a, 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 a white right winger into a champion to put the first black Democrat on his city's school board. Turn a white right winger into a guy that can connect the people that started my city's first inner city Christian school. I've seen in my own life as I've walked in as a white right winger and been welcomed to speak in black, predominantly black church pulpits. I've seen the barriers the gospel can, can tear down. But before we have that conversation, we must refuse to being domestically terrorized. There must be discipline first. We will not incentivize lawlessness. We will not permit this to be the launching off point for that conversation. This is not to be incentivized. It is to be punished and eradicated. It is an insurgency against this country. It is to be crushed. It is not to become the substitute for a meaningful conversation because there's no meaningful conversation to be had with this. It must only be crushed. We supposedly have a law and order president who doesn't negotiate with terrorists. It is time to see it. Not read it on Twitter, not hear about it in angry conference calls with the nation's governors this morning, not hear it from his apologist grifters in conservative media. No, it is time to see it. That is real villainy you've been watching this whole time I've been talking. Not a Nancy Pelosi caricature, not a CNN primetime host. That is real villainy. That is real villainy that you watched this weekend. That is real villainy out in our streets, and it will only be stopped by real justice. Not virtue signaling, not social, not any other type. The real kind. I take my belt off and you behind the woodshed type. You're up, Mr. President. Your hand has been called. What are you holding? Gentlemen, your thoughts. Uh, so damn proud to be able to work on this show because of stuff like that for the last three months and everything before that where we tried as hard as we could to tell you what was a coming down the road we didn't know it was specifically a coronavirus or a race war but that the people we were would not be able to stand up to those kind of things and it's clear that we can't 
Get this, I heard it on the way into this show, local sports radio, the word salads, it's just resetting everything, simultaneously saying, we we have to come together as Americans, we cannot point all of the usual fig, uh, fingers, we have to have tough conversations, I, and then they go on to only point the fingers in the convenient, comfortable places that they always have been, which means you aren't going to have any uncomfortable conversations just garbage word salads. You won't get that here. You've never gotten that here. Thank God for that. I'm all about moving forward, but that's about two different things. And there's it, it, when you hear the word salad, it's war then, one way or the other. Rhetorical at the very least. Zero quarter to that garbage going forward, whether it's from the left or the right. But when you see, as Steve said, uh, this, you are purposely being shown all kinds of peaceful images of protesters at the expense of things like this, because the narrative is just as important now as it was ever before. Enough with the garbage narratives. When you see beautiful pictures of healing, and there have been some, there have been amazing moments within this where people have put down the nonsense and actually had what is really going to be required to move forward. But you that's not going to happen if you don't insist that we do something different than we've done before. People are trying to transgender this moment. Don't you dare let them. This weekend, I went back and forth several times from being pissed off from not caring and just going to the uh, if you darken my door I'll shoot you point of my uh, you know point of view to actively wanting to go out there and and do some Batman style justice I, I I was and then just back to is this really a country worth fighting for is this really a country worth saving because I don't have a perspective like you guys and most of the on the audience have. My coming to age, if you will, was 9-11. First year of marriage now is coronavirus and riots. And if you try to stop your 18-wheeler on 35W in Minneapolis, you're still going to get beaten and you're still going to be arrested. That's not justice. That's, that's whatever the opposite of, of justice is. Every single, every single big issue of my lifetime, it seems like, and, and I totally get this, you know, we're, we're east of Eden, nothing is going to be perfect. But when almost every single big issue of my lifetime of national importance has been 180 degrees, the opposite of probably what should have been done, I get hindsight is 20, but you kind of can understand whether, why I'm asking whether this is a country worth fighting for. The idea of America is... And it always will be. But whether this country, good grief. And the, the thing that took the cake this weekend for me, remember Carson King? He was the 20-something security guard at a casino here in Iowa who likes drinking bush light, lives in an exurb of, of a medium-sized Midwestern city, a white guy. Showed up to college game day when it was in Ames, Iowa. Held up a sign saying he needed more money for Bush Light to Venmo him. 
They showed a sign on television, bada bing, bada boom, he caught lightning in a bottle and used that opportunity to raise literally millions of dollars for kids fighting cancer at a hospital here in Iowa for the UI Children's Hospital. In the Des Moines Register, a reporter by the name of Aaron Calvin, who is no longer with the Register, decided to do a routine background check on Mr. On Mr. Uh, Carson King. A routine background check. Never been done before. The only reason why they did a, a routine background check on him is because he's a white guy in, in his mid-twenties who likes to drink bush-like light and probably fits the description most of those people who work at the Des Moines Register think of who voted for Donald Trump. So that's what they were really trying to look for, whether or not this guy voted for Donald Trump. And lo and behold, they found some old tweets and it became this firestorm. A guy who just caught lightning in a bottle and raised millions of dollars for kids fighting cancer. And they try to ruin this guy's reputation and life. Aaron Calvin was the name of the reporter who did that. This weekend I see Aaron Calvin sharing links, raising money to bail the rioters out of jail here in Polk County. Told ya. When the spirit of the age is that diametrically opposed to you on such a petty level, can't raise money, millions of dollars for kids with cancer, but here I am going to, I'm going to raise money to get rioters out of jail who just broke the windows and ransacked the businesses that were closed for months and were just starting to reopen. When the spirit of the age is that far against you, I said a couple weeks ago, it's bullets or Bibles. Or both. Get ready. That'll preach. Before we came on here today, I was looking at an exchange. Friend of the program, Matt Walsh over the Daily Wire had with a guy that uh, I've been on MSNBC with a few times in the past. Toure, I believe is his name. Tour. Tour? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Just invincible ignorance. Yes. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, when when asked to discuss the difference between protests that wanted your way of life back and control of your own property during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that never was, unless you were in a nursing home, never was. or Lomb- Unless you were in a nursing home or Lombardy, Italy, never was. Or under the control of a New York State politician, never was. And And why those people that wanted their property back were terrible. But the people now trying to destroy their property are, are heroes, prophets. He says, hey, you know, the rights reopen pro- protests were rightly denounced as temper tantrums. People see the, uh, what, what happened to Floyd, pro- and they see these protests as worth the COVID-19 risk because the cause is real and important. What that means is, you don't have a fundamental right to have your voice heard unless I agree with it. That's what he's saying. You can't share a country with somebody like that because they have, they have, they have no intention of sharing it with you. None. I spoke at a conference in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, and I wish I remember the gentleman's name. Pastor got up and spoke before me. And when he got done, I'm like, I don't want to have to follow that. And he talked about his experience in Vietnam as a soldier. And he said, in Vietnam, I learned the hard way, the difference between an opponent and an enemy. 
that an opponent just disagrees with me, maybe even vehemently so. But an enemy wants to end me. An enemy wants to end my way of life. And he applied that to what was going on in our broader culture. This gentleman here, this tour, is, is an enemy. Not that you've made him one. Not that you've declared it so. He has declared it so himself. He has said, hey, you don't have a right to be heard. I do. You don't have a right to be heard unless I agree with your cause. If you then take that right, aside from my approval, you're committing a, quote, temper tantrum. If you want to protect your property, your own property that you worked for, that you purchased, if you want to live out the biblical principle, the worker is worth his hire, that's a temper tantrum. But if, if, you, if, if people want to destroy your property that you earn, then, quote, the cause is real and important, unquote. There's, that's national divorce. There's no way to share a country with that. And like Aaron said, that guy is being hired by newspapers yes. and TV stations yes. across the he, land. Yeah, yes, he's everywhere. And see, now we're in a situation, you know, I feel I, I get no vindication from this, only anger. Everything that I tried to warn audiences about for years, and I wasn't alone, there were others like me. But everything people like me tried to warn you about for years, and we were idiots, radicals, we were the reason, you're going to cost Republicans elections, all the excuses I heard all of these years. Well, now, Uncle Bingo, it is now time to pay the check. It has come due. All those times Lindsey Graham went on Sean Hannity vowing to get to the bottom of the deep state. Two, two coup attempts from two different uh, Eastern European countries and an impeachment later. Not a damn thing. Marco Rubio out there. I was terrible for pointing oh out how God. bad he was on immigration and everything else. I was terrible. People like me were terrible. We needed his dimples and his bio to win over the, win over the great unwashed. He's on Twitter over the weekend drawing all forms of idiotic, idiotic moral equivalencies when these same insurgents, they'll run over him too, first chance they get, no matter how much virtue signaling he does for, their, for them. All those, all those nights I'd listen to Crowdhammer and Brit Hume and their ilk lecture us from their on high perch at Fox. And now suddenly, their cities are in flames. I get no vindication from this. Looks like I get no vindication for having all of my research about the virus verified. I'm pissed! I'm mad. I'm not getting, I'm, this isn't giving me any kind of an ego boost. It's, it's giving me a temper tantrum, is what it's giving me. A real one. What did we think was going to happen? The years that went on and on and on, that we just gave these insurgents our universities and our education system. And then subsidized it at the same time. Did we really believe? I don't know. Because I'm not from the generation that accepted this. I've been trying to push back on it my whole career. Did we really think these were just going to be cute leftists on their campuses? 
that they'd never get out, that their ideas once, once installed would never get out. Did we really think that? I don't know. I never thought it. It's what drove me to doing the kind of show that doesn't get you booked on Fox News. I never thought it for once. My issue with Trump was never the crazy stuff that he says. It's that he, I thought he would never do it. That in the end, he didn't have the balls to do it. Because I saw him walk away from a debate here in Iowa when Ted Cruz pulled his pants down once and then come up with some fake fundraiser for veterans as an excuse to not do it. My issue with him wasn't that what you saw in him. I didn't think he'd deliver. Well, now we don't have a choice. Now he has to. Because the Joker thinks he's Batman, whether he's not or not. Doesn't matter whether he is or not. He has to, he's got to don the cape and cowl now. He has no choice. Because the Joker's out in the streets. The Joker thinks the bat signal's been lit. The bell cannot be unrung. So we cannot have any more weekends of hiding out in the basement of the White House while you turn the lights off in a city that you control the law enforcement, Washington, D.C., and don't send in the damn Marines. Nope. This will not be this will not be deterred by a Twitter tantrum. Real leadership now, sir. Patriot Mobile is trying to do their part to help each one of us get out of this current economic nightmare, and they are lowering their prices even further. Right now, their U.S.-based team is standing by to design your customized family plan, starting as low as only $25 a month. Patriot Mobile shares your values and will never charge you hidden fees, and unlike Big Mobile, they won't send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or any of these groups that right now have your cities in flames or any other leftist causes for that matter. And you can get the same reliable nationwide service and support, a company that shares your values along with it and supports our constitution and puts people before profits. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number. You can bring your own phone or even buy a new one if you'd like. And right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, you can get free activation and a free gift with the offer code Steve. Call them right now with the offer code Steve at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Or visit them online at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's right. Their lowest monthly prices ever right now. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader joining us here again this week. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good to see you, Steve. So our city is one of those that has been embroiled in some of these riots and looting and protests that we have seen across the country this weekend. On Saturday night, I believe we had about 50 people ended up getting incarcerated by local police. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they dropped, um, you know, a, a, a Viet Cong vat sized of tear gas on rioters here in town. Showed really no quarter and no mercy, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Last night... Things went a tad differently than they did the previous evening. And one of one there, there's a there's a part of what occurred here last night that has gone viral. I have a portion of that video. I want to show it to our audience, and then I would like to discuss it. 
Mm. All right. Love to. All right. This is our one a local media guy by the name of Keith Murphy interviewing our Des Moines police chief, Dana Wingert. Watch this. We saw something extraordinary here tonight. We saw a large protest and we saw your officers kneel and then the protesters left. Um, how did this all come together? So we've obviously we've had a rough three days. Uh, we had a group of protesters in front of the station uh, and these were good folks. These are peaceful protesters. Uh, they're frustrated, they're hurting. Uh, they know what brought this on is wrong, but in the same sense we do, we do as well. Uh, every officer here knows that what happened in Minneapolis was horrific and tragic. What they asked us to do with one of our community par partners, one of our pastors, uh, who's talking to the crowd, uh, they asked if we would kneel with them for two minutes uh, and they would, they would gladly disperse, uh, particularly with the new curfew. We spoke to our officers <clears throat> and I'm very proud of them because they do know the difference between right and wrong and they know what it means to be a community partner. And our officers took a knee with them for two minutes. And at the end of it, the crowd applauded, uh, they thanked us and they quietly dispersed. This is pretty unconventional, you know, for, for a police department, and for police officers. But I can tell you this, it meant so much to me to witness my officers doing that. But that's something that, that group of uh, uh, peaceful protesters will never forget. Uh, this, is, this is a very proud moment. This is what community police relationships are all about. Uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong and when things get tough, sticking together. Chief, we've struggled with using the right terms, uh, protesting versus looting versus rioting. As the chief of police, what is the difference? For me, the difference is people have the right, right to assemble and speak their mind. You know, we, uh, on the first night, uh, the rally we had out front, incredibly well organized, very well attended, great messages. I was there, I heard it, I watched it. Uh, and when it was over, the good people left and then chaos broke out. Uh, unfortunately, it overshadowed what that was all about. We took an oath to provide that right for people to assemble and speak their mind. And, and we do everything we can to support that. What we can't support is people launching rocks at the cops, people throwing bricks at the cops, berating the cops, spitting on the cops. That's not, that's not what a peaceful protest is about. We'll do everything in our power uh, to allow people to, to get their point across, say what's on their mind. A lot of times we sit across the table with them and do that. Uh, that's, that's the difference. The difference is the violence and the destruction of property. Uh, the folks we had out here tonight, they had no intentions of doing that, and that was obvious to us early on. That's why uh, you know, we participated uh, you know, in their request to, to take a knee. Uh, that's really, that's really what it's all about. Elsewhere in that clip, uh, that interview is like eight minutes. So we don't have time to show it to you here, but he make, he's pretty adamant and that he says, Hey, we, our officers took an oath. We will defend life and property. If you are a threat to it, you know, we will be a threat to you. I mean, that's our job. We will not tolerate that. So he is attempting to draw some very clear distinctions. Now, I, now, let me say this too. I understand because of what it symbolized with Colin Kaepernick that um, the, the taking of a knee is often associated with him. 
But in that entire interview, and in I watched this whole exchange. Did you watch it live? I did. I watched the entire thing occur live in real time. And none of those themes or any of that was brought up. This was completely and totally... Um, uh, the, the was was put the focus was put on was put on George. It was not put on Colin in any way, shape, or form. And what I thought, what I saw also was was two very interesting differences in the protest we saw in Des Moines last night. There was this protest that went on downtown, and the curfew came. The cops more than met these protesters halfway, and said, "All right, now you keep your word and disperse and honor the curfew." And they ultimately did. Mm-hmm. And then there's what went on over by one of our malls, which I don't think is a coincidence. Had more white people at that protest, okay? Because most of Antifa is white. That doesn't mean there were not, there was not plenty of black on white violence around the country this weekend. I'm not saying that. Sure. Okay. But there's Antifa is a white leftist, largely white leftist insurrection group. And just like we saw in Minnesota, when they said, Hey, uh, the mayor of St. Paul, um, a lot of the people we arrested, we don't even know there's people that are not from here. Mm-hmm. That protest, they did not want to disperse. They were, you could see watching that one live. Did you watch that too? They're continually ag- agging, agitating the crowd. Well, don't disperse. Maybe just walk all the way down. They clearly were trying to agitate and make something happen at that particular protest. Also, note who steps in the breach here. The protest we had downtown. And, the, and you heard the police chief say this. Yeah, He said, hey, we had a Hispanic pastor. I don't know his name. We have like 70 members of the ministry that are on part of a rotating, you know, community relation team with us. But we had a pastor come here and played a huge role in mediating this process to a peaceful end. Mm. So with all that being said and shown to the audience, Bob, your thoughts. Well, I think I go back to a tweet you had over the weekend, Stephen. It's revival or bust. And I just thought it was more than symbolic that this pastor in Des Moines, a pastor that I know, a pastor that was on a a Zoom conference call leading a national revival prayer meeting last week, a pastor that's part of our church ambassador network here at the Family Leader, uh, where Chief Wingert is talking about the power of relationship, community relationship, community, community partnership. Uh, we know the pastors that are around the police department. And to see this pastor basically negotiate this two-minute kneel, that the protesters are going to kneel, we'd like to see the police officers kneel, and was more out of mutual respect and an understanding of what's taking place in this country. And to see when that happened, and that pastor who does not want to be identified. I don't know if you saw in the in the interview – uh, one of the interviewers on a different station than Channel 13 that you just had on said, who was that guy? I mean, this reporter was blown away. Who mm-hmm. was this guy that did this? And I recognize him because he went to the police afterwards. He says, we are praying for you. And so I texted our church ambassador, network director, Greg Baker, and I said, I'm positive this was this pastor. And Greg texted right back and said, yes, it was. And uh, so you're seeing when the church can be the church. Uh, yesterday, uh, I did a bike ride down to Court Avenue, which is downtown Des Moines. I wanted to see the damage that was inflicted upon downtown Des Moines. And yeah, I saw the board up windows and those type of things, which, you know, I totally, totally uh, condemn. But the image that stayed with me when I got back on the bike to go back home was a young couple coming with a broom and a, a, a dustpan, sweet pan, basically, 
of asking business owners, can we help you? I mean, you're seeing the best of people rise up as well. And so I think, hey, we want to listen. I think Chief Wingard has done a masterful job. If you watch Chief Wingard at all. I watched him last night. I was captivated. As far as de-escalating a situation mm -hmm. and understanding your First Amendment rights, your right to assembly, your right to freedom of speech. We get it. If you're upset with something, you have that right. But you do not have the right to bust in businesses' windows. You do not have the right to loot. You do not have the right to destroy our city. And they are resolute that they will protect the city. I think Des Moines, again, I, I maybe I'm very biased, but I think Des Moines is being lifted up as a model here again on how do you handle this situation. Ty, do you have any thoughts? Well, I uh, I interviewed the chief before he was the chief at the Des Moines Register and also know him by reputation through my colleagues. who inter He's that this isn't just an act with oh, this no, he's guy, the real deal. which is really important because the only thing that is going to heal this is the real deal. The, the word salad, that's what I, the word salad, people are going to try it because they just want to make it go away and get yeah. on. There's no moving forward. There's no just moving on without truth, beauty, goodness, authenticity. This man is it. There's many frauds on all sides, both within police departments, within journalism, within protesters. That's the problem. If you want to get real, Let's get real. Use men like this as an example, but do not accept imposters. No quarter with them. A friend of mine sent me a story. Uh, the police in Trenton, New Jersey tried to do this last night too. And uh, apparently shortly after they did, rioters came back and overturned their police cars and looted. And, and this friend of mine was like, see, that's why I think your cops made a mistake in doing so. And I gave him the analogy that you've often drawn with the abortion issue. Which is, if they, listen, if I was a cop and they asked me to, if they said, hey, we will peacefully disperse if you kneel for Colin Kaepernick, cops or pigs, no is my answer. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what, but what happened to, to this man is this is an unjust death. And I don't know what every, everybody in the audience thinks. I have watched like 17 videos on you this bet. thing, man. Every angle I can find that's available publicly. I even watched something Sean King put out there who's a total fraud just because I'm trying to look for any angle I can find. I, I cannot find a video angle that justifies ending someone's life over this. And I have to believe, given all the unrest and everything that's been caused already and the threats against that the, the cop and his family, I have to believe if such video exists, you know, the county attorney came out after somebody up there said, well, there's exculpatory evidence too. Well, then where is it? And then the next day they charged him with, with murder. Okay? So, if, but if I was a cop and they asked me to kneel for an unjust death, I would do that. Because I'm going to do what you suggest on the abortion issue. Is this really about... Is this really about Mr. Floyd? Is that what it's really about? Or is it about something else? One way to find out is you remove the false objection. So if if those people in Trenton, if you if you tried to meet them more halfway and you're a policeman and their response was more violence, then they have declared themselves domestic terrorists. You should crush them under your heel, show no mercy, for none will be given. They are insurrectionists and they should be mercilessly put down. But because you gave them a chance at peace, they did not take it. The scripture says, when it is at all possible, live in peace with everyone. But that means it's not always possible. Mm -hmm. And then when it's not, it is time for you as an instrument of this government to be an avenging angel and to bring the sword, to bring it. 
That would be my answer. And I would say the same thing to our own police. If they had responded to that by more violence, then that's when the shooting starts, as far as I'm concerned. But if you look at Chief Winger, I want to go back on what, what Todd was saying. Chief Winger is authentic. He understands the power of light that will overcome darkness, and he understands the power of love that will overcome hate. He truly gets that. Because the piece that we didn't see in the interview, which happened in that interview with Keith Murphy, was Chief Winkert started to get choked up. And Keith Murphy asked him, you're getting choked up. Why are you getting choked up? And he talked about the power of community and police partnership. He talked about the power in the coalitions of the different suburbs and Des Moines Metro all coming together to protect this city. And he talked about the love he had for this police force. And he said, Des Moines different than He's authentic. When that interview got done, it went to Dave Price, who was anchoring. And Dave Price, before he went on to cover more stuff down the mall, he said, before we do that, I want to make sure this does not get lost on our audience. What just happened here? Dave Price was moved. Why? Because it was authentic. It was genuine. And those protesters, I really believe, they saw that it was authentic and genuine. And because of that, they dispersed quietly and privately. If this is about justice and injustice, Right and wrong, I get it. Take the knee. If this is about, we just want to make you do what we tell you to do, and now we're going to do what we want to do, then you're right. Then the full arm of justice comes down on them. I think um, the number one, two, three roles that must be played right now is there must be discipline for all of this. The lawlessness has to be punished before there's any other conversations about any other broader themes that we cannot incentivize this. We cannot set any precedent that this was a launching off point for you, for any group to get what they wanted. No, nope, that cannot happen. So where's the president been all weekend? I've got to, I've got to admit it here. What are your thoughts on that question? Well, well, let me go back to what you just said, and then we'll get to the president is that what I tweeted over the weekend, I said, yes, justice for these cops and an unjust killing. But also, yes, justice for these people who are choosing to riot, burn up cities, loot, those things. Because there's no place in protesting. Uh, the president, what I, you know, I'm not sure where he's been. My goal for him right now is that he would rise above this and be a leader with a nation and to bring unity and to, and to speak in what, what, what uh, Chief Wingert did President Trump should do at a much broader and larger level. This is not a time to fuel division. It is a time to call out right and wrong, but bring healing. And he can do that. He can be a voice of healing for an entire country. I think there has to be spanking before there can be that. I think law must be restored. There must be, okay, God gave a law before he sent a savior. There must be law. Law must be restored. There, there already is law. I mean, what I'm saying, there is law. Looting, rioting, burning down property, all that stuff. That's why the National Guard is in there and all that stuff. But at the same time, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, the, the scriptures talk about truth and love. You can talk about love for justice. You can talk about walking humbly, but you also can execute the law at the same time. Good to see you, brother. Thank you. Good to see you. All right, hour two, we turn it over to you when we come back. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Oh, if you only heard that conversation during the top of the hour break. First of all, given some words that were used, I think we all would have been fired. That's number one. But number two, I can't speak for you guys, but I'd have gone out in a blaze of glory anyway. Sure. 
All right, here we are. It's, as we start hour two, it is our weekly Monday town hall. And I don't have any catchy questions or pithy setups. I don't have um, any fill in the blank, multiple choice, no trivia. I, I want raw, although remember, it's got to be PG-13 raw. <laughs> All right. I want raw and PG-13 unfiltered comments. I just want to know. I want to know what you're thinking. I, I didn't set Todd and Aaron or up for any kind of commentary when, when it was our turn last hour to kind of sound off. And I'm not going to do that for you in the audience as well. Um, I think this is a time for people to just react and be heard about what we're witnessing transpire in our country right now. So here's the phone number if you want to take part in our Monday town hall. 888-900-3393 is the number. Again, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, that last name is D-E-A-C-E. Rough Greens, Vita Smart wants to do for your dog what your supplements do for you because the same thing happens to your dog's food that's happened to ours. It's been stripped of all the vitamins and nutrients and all the stuff that we really need out of our food. Why? So it can be mass produced and then have a long shelf life. Same things happen to our pet's food as well and that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's not a dog food. It's a premium dog food supplement. All right, it's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food that apparently tastes great because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves it. Contains massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, even omega oils, antioxidants, the stuff that supports a healthy immune system, skin and coat, improves digestion, mobility, joint health, etc. All right, if you want to try it for 14 days, see if in a couple of weeks you don't see a difference in your pet. If your dog is not thriving like never before, it's just $14.95 to give it a shot. $14.95 for 14 days when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F is how you spell Rough Greens. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. So the phone lines are open. Your thoughts. It could be what you observed over the weekend. Could be your commentary on the commentary that we have had so far. I really want to provide an open forum to you and our audience witnessing unprecedented times in our country. I, I mean, I just... It, it seems like Mayor Pete and then Bernie Sanders were inevitable as the Democratic nominee... Like I, you read that in like in an Encyclopedia Britannica, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was just a few months ago. Now we're getting more and more data on coronavirus. It's basically disappearing. I can sum up the new data for you. It's basically just disappearing. <laughs> Norway, it's disappearing. Switzerland, it's disappearing. Italy, the country that freaked us all out. We're all going to be Italy. Italy disappearing. Japan disappearing. Virtually disappearing. 21 states that reopened in America, not seeing surges. I mean, it was only a month ago, man, I thought this was a cultural Pearl Harbor moment. And I thought, I still think, going based on what we knew then, that it was. And now it's just like, 
What's COVID-19? The contractions are coming quicker now, if you get the analogy I'm drawing. The labor pains are coming quicker. So, the forum is now all of yours. Your thoughts as you watched what transpired in your country the last few days. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Let's begin with Terry in Georgia. Terry, welcome to the Steve Day Show. You're live in the Blazer. Go ahead. And I remember that after there was the shootings in Dallas and I believe Milwaukee or Ohio, when they, all those people were killed by lunatics and they were calling for taking the guns and everything else. And I called in and I said, we could give all the guns tomorrow. And if we did, it would be a matter of months or years before they started rounding conservatives, Christians up and killing them. And what we are against is we were the, I think that the cold civil war has gone hot, whether we want to admit that or not. And as Christians and concert, as Americans, we have to, we have to prepare for what's coming. And that means that Trump needs Trump. I don't think Trump has the kahunas to do what needs to be done. But what needs to be done is the Marine Corps needs to be mobilized. They need to go into these blue cities. They need to, uh, what do you call it? Take over the police forces, send these police forces, to the front, put down these riots by hook or by crook. And you can start with water hoses and rubber bullets, and if that doesn't get the job done, move to live ammunition. But my, I have a second point. My second point is in uh, to Aaron's question about is America worth fighting for? Uh, I believe America is worth fighting for. But even if it's not, even if we've lost the country, our families are worth fighting for. Hmm. And our families are worth fighting for because there's a there's a book called Bloodlands, the land between Hitler and Stalin. And in that book, it talks about how the Red Brigades went from house to house, farm to farm, requisitioning grain for people for they called them kulaks, rich peasants that owned a cow and a couple chickens. They would take your grain, steal your vodka, get drunk. Rape your daughter, rape your wife, and maybe kill you if you put up a fight and uh, leave you to reduce your, you reduced, basically killed 7 million people by reducing them to starvation and cannibalism. If we don't put an end to that, that's what we're up against. And there was folklore within the, within the, the peasantry in the youth. They thought that the devil was, was a Red Brigade member rampaging through the countryside, stealing souls. And that's what we're up against. We're up against the, the bowels of hell, and we have to put it down by hook or by crook for our families. Thank, for you, for our the, loved ones. thank you for the phone call, Terry. Appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your perspective here on The Blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Let's go to Vicki in Kentucky. Vicki, welcome to the Steve Day Show. Go ahead. Vicky, are you there? Nope. Okay. Let's try Paul in South Carolina. Paul, you're next here on the blaze. Go ahead, sir. 
Oh, hold on. Go back to Vicky. All right, we're going to go back to Vicky. Things can get better, but but it has to. It has. Hey, Vicky, pardon me, pardon me, Vicky. We, we we joined yes. you. We joined yes. you in the middle of your call. Could you start again, please? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I sure can. I was gonna. I said I love you all to pieces, every one of you. I watch every day, and uh, I just wanted to say that I have lived in this movie once before in the '60s. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. I will be 67 years old in July. And uh, 67 and 68 were nightmare years, and I remember them well. My father was the chief of police in, a, in Kentucky, across the river from uh, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and we had riots all over the country. So this this has happened before. It's just that the media hypes it. We're, we're, we can't get away from it 24-7. You've got the Internet. You've got pictures coming at you constantly about it. And I think that it heightens the awareness of everyone and they think that it's worse than it ever has been. I also agree with you that the birth pangs are coming closer, though. I truly agree with that. Yeah, we haven't even we haven't and, even uh, aged in. We're not even aging in dog years in 2020, Vicky. We're like aging in fly fly years. I mean, it's like we're. I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's I'm 90 years true. old just in this year alone. Even I was watching what was going on last night. My eldest daughter looked at me and said, "2020." is on LSD is what my oldest daughter said to me this year has, is just God's honest truth. Yeah. It's just, this year has been crazy. Absolutely true. All right. Thank you for the call. It has been, it has been nuts. Sure enough. All right. Take care. Appreciate it. She makes a good point about what went on in the sixties and those kinds. And the social media does make it look on the present. No question about it. Our own media our, our own media, I can't even begin to tell you how bad it is. And I'm not even talking about media bias. I'm not, I'm not you know, I, I can't even tell you. I, I've been in this, this is not my first day working in conservative media. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a few shows on media bias. I've, I've discussed it before. 10,000 times, as we all have, if we work in this industry. But... I can't even tell you, uh, Laura, Lara Logan, who used to, was it CBS News she used to work at, yep. right? Yeah. Her Twitter feed has some phenomenal videos about the other side of this, about um, protesters grabbing Antifa or looters and taking them to the police, uh, peaceful protesters. Um, uh, there's a powerful video I watched this morning of one black man goes to another with his own son and says, your son is 16 years old, man. You're going to turn him into a thug when he's supposed to be a king. You're going to do this right now. You're going to end his life. Make him look. You're going to have him turn out like you right now. You're going to do it. You're going to end his life right now. All that potential. You're just going to waste it right now to throw some rocks and start fires. I mean, it's just really a powerful video. And, and she's got a lot of those videos in her Twitter feed right now. And she keeps asking, you know, why isn't this in our media? Um, it's, the, it's the same reason that all of the actual infection rates for coronavirus were not in your media. I'm just telling you right now, no, our media has covered this virus worse than any media in the world. I would trust China's media first. And that's not a joke, not a one-liner, not a hot take. Because it, at least you know their angle, right? At least, when the, at least when, when the Chinese media speaks, you know this is what the, the state party believes. The only angle our media has is they, they just are, they want a failed state to occur on Donald Trump's watch. And so it's chaos all the time. You don't know where they're coming from all the time.
NPR is now 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 NPR has now decided they want to report on antibody testing. You know the 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 uh, the Shiite we've been telling you here on this show since early April. Suddenly NPR now wants NPR now wants to report on antibody testing. They could have done this a month or two ago. Why are they doing it now? Because they're getting ready to pivot to Donald Trump wrecked the economy and it's too late to fix it now. Because this has never been about anything other, not about news the entire time. It's just been about a political narrative the entire time. And so is this. And so the political narrative it right now is that Donald Trump looks weak. And he does, frankly. But then eventually he's going to react. I think we all know he's going to. Eventually he's going to. That's Donald Trump. He reacts. He's going to react. He's going to bring the hammer to somebody. Somebody's, somebody's getting the belt. Somebody will. And when they do that, Todd, what will the narrative then be? Well, then he's a tyrant. Tyrant, and, uh, thug, racist. Yeah. Because this is all about creating a failed state on his watch. That's what it's all about. They, they propelled him to the nomination four years ago. They, was it, I think it was MRC did the study that he got 60 times more coverage during the primary from the media than any other candidate did. Because they, they thought that he, he they, they thought, he was prone to saying clumsy things and they could, they could then get him the nomination and then finally could brand everybody like us. See, you're really the racist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobes. We told you you were all the, we, we warned the country about you all these years and Trump's nomination confirms it. And then after working to get him the nomination because they thought he was a buffoon that they could beat, he then kicked their ass. And so they've been trying to create, he turned it around on them. And so they've been trying to create a failed state on his watch from the dawn of his presidency. There were riots after he got elected, remember? If he gets reelected, what kind of riots do you think we're going to say? Because that's what it's all about. That's the whole game here. Create a failed state on Donald Trump's watch. And so the way that we cover the virus, and, and folks, I'm getting research and data. These are leftist countries. These are countries that look much more like California than Texas. And they're far more honest, and their media is far more honest. On the BBC, Pierce Morgan is the conservative. Pierce Morgan. And yet they have been very honest on the lockdowns and what they're doing and why they're bad. No, what's going on here is unique, uniquely bad. Uniquely bad. This country is in the crosshairs right now. Right now. And I think, with all due respect to Vicky, I think that's what makes this different than the 60s. Is this comes on the heel, on the heels of an event we still aren't even fully out of, which was the greatest threat to our way of life we've ever seen. On a domestic level. We were just talking about salon owners getting their Miranda rights read to them three days ago. And now you can, we were just talking about, I can't go to eat at a restaurant three days ago, but you can go burn it down. So the riots are the same, but the context of the circumstances in which they're occurring and the, the series of unfortunate events that this is the next in the chain of, I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's far worse. Let's go back to the phones. Let's let's go to Paul in South Carolina. Paul, thanks for your patience, sir. Welcome to the blaze. Go ahead. 
Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, I hear uh, there's a lot of talk, you know, and which I totally agree with that this is a plan. This is this is organized, and it absolutely is. But no one's really, I, I don't think, going to the heart of it. And I honestly, in my heart of hearts, believe Obama is he is he's in the center of this web, and he's like the Moriarty in some sort of dystopian Sherlock Holmes movie. Because uh, if you recall, way into early into his presidency, you know, we had people like Maxine Waters who let slip that he was amassing these databases to th- that all other future leaders would have to go through. And even in one of his speeches, he alluded to that uh, we needed a national security force of some type uh, that was as strong as the military. I believe that he's absolutely pulling the strings on this. He's funded by Soros, and he is untouchable. He's absolutely untouchable. He's Teflon. And he's at the center of it. All of this is directed, and he's protected by stratas and layers of cover, but it's him. He's the one that's involved. Let's say that's true, Paul. Why does it matter? What what does it matter if it's Barack Obama or George Soros himself? How does that change anything? Did we lose Paul? Okay. Here's why I asked that. I, I know... You know, we've been through this amorphous war on terror. And so the whole goal originally was to get Osama bin Laden. And we did. But that didn't, mean, that didn't make Islamic Jihad go away. And so we're used to, as a people, today I declare war on Imperial Japan. Today I declare war on the forces of Adolf Hitler. Today we declare war on the British Empire for the War of 18. We're used to having a face with the enemy. And one of the big struggles that has gone on during the... the uh, are the, the, the amorphous conflict with Islamic Jihad is it just evolves. It's Al-Qaeda, then it's not. It's the Taliban, then it's not. Then it is the Taliban again. It's, it's, it's ISIS, and then it's, or is it ISIL? We don't know. It's called different things by the same people in the same administration. Because it's tough to quantify a spiritual enemy. Tough to put a face on that. The reality is you can call it Al-Qaeda, you can call it ISIS, ISIL, call it whatever you want. It's a demonic influence that's been in the world since the 7th century. Just has a lot of different, a lot of different iterations. It's what it is. That's what this is. If it, so if, if it all points back to George Soros, it would have just been somebody else. It would have just, it would have just been another leftist insurrectionist with money bags would have just been somebody else and if you really want to know whoever it is you you just have to fight it now no matter what and draw whoever it is whatever it is out into the open but you can't wait to figure out you just gotta this is what you were talking about in the last segment uh, uh steve it it is about drawing a line in the sand here and no further no, no we're not going to talk anymore it's not nicey nice it's about justice there, there, there are forces at work that want this country to end. And I don't think many of them, frankly, are from this world. I think those are your pawns. Mm-hmm. I think you're dealing with strongholds and principalities in another realm. And we thought we could just relegate them to college campuses or a few city blocks of an inner city 
or a couple of cable news channels and a couple of blogs and that we could just get our clicks riffing off of their ridiculousness. That, that there would not really, once they impugn this ideology into the minds of people, it wouldn't really truly corporately manifest. Now, I don't know why the previous generation came to that conclusion. Maybe it's just because life was so good that the cost of confronting this just didn't seem prevalent at that time. And that, that's human condition, and I don't fault them for that. But we're here now. If you don't know now that this is a steel cage match, man, and two men are going to enter and only one man's leaving it, then I don't know what to tell you. Because that's where this is going. You, you, only, you can't put the Joker back in a box. You have to put him in a cell or in the dirt. That's what you have to do. Let's go next to Aaron in New York. Aaron, welcome to the Steve Day Show here on The Blaze. Go ahead, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I'm turning 30 this year, and in my life, there has never been an event that has shaken me like this. Mm. Um, I've always been generally hopeful for the, you know, no, 9-11, anything that happened, I'd just be like, hey, you know what? I, I trust that we can make it through this. I, you know, I, I see us coming back. But I just spent the weekend being told by people that because I'm white, I can't possibly understand that uh, the, the fear that, the, that black people feel about cops. Meanwhile, they don't know that I was pulled over unjustly and I had my car searched and illegally for drugs. And I was told that I ran a yield, which is not a thing. And when I asked if I was pulled over for anything else, the cop laughed at me and said, oh, is that what he told you? They, I've been told that, you know, today, actually today, someone at work, a friend of mine who was a person of color that I've known for two years and we're very close friends. I was asked, all the stuff that happens between 1820 and uh, 1960, do, do you support that? So do I support slavery and racism? Like, you don't know me well enough. Right. And then I spent the weekend watching these videos. And look, I'm a believer. I believe that without the mercy and grace of God, I'd be, I'd be just out there root, riding and looting too. I get it. And I've never wished death on anyone. But watching some of these videos of the injustices happening, I, I found myself overcome with unbridled rage and the hope that these guys would catch a bullet. And I don't like that feeling. And if I'm feeling that and I'm seeing unjustifiable criticisms and, and, and arguments from Christians saying that, uh, saying, you know, and, and the other side is saying what they're saying, I don't, I, this is the first time in my life that I am not hopeful. Hmm. And I don't like it. And I don't know where we go from here because you say, you know, revolution or revival, Bibles or bullets. And I'm not sure that I, I understand the gospel is powerful enough to do that, but maybe, maybe the judgment on us won't let it. And, and I'm just, I don't know where to go from here. Aaron is speaking my language. I think Aaron is speaking a, a lot of people's language, brother. Thanks you for the call. God bless you, man. And, um, I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. And her mom was twice divorced, blended family, single. We were white trash. I ate government cheese growing up. It's not really that bad. It's not, I wouldn't call it good. Um, 
I did ADC. I remember going to the grocery store, paying for food stamps and having to put comic books back because the food stamps didn't cover those. And one time I got mad and just put it in my front pocket down my crotch, stole the comic book. My mom found it when I got home, took that comic book, booked my ass with it, and then made me take it back to the store and return it because she was a good mom. <laughs> That's why she did that. <laughs> All right. And uh, uh, I remember being on reduced lunches as a kid. I've, I've, the only privilege I've experienced is the grace of God in my life. My ancestors are Italian and Sicilian. They came here at the turn of the century, at least 50 years after the Civil War. They lived in the ghettos first, actually. They were called garlic eaters and dagos and wops. I'm not going to be lectured to about a privilege that I've never experienced. I'm not going to be given, I'm not, I refuse to accept the blame for something I didn't do. We're individuals in the eyes of God. I have enough sin in my own life I have to own up to and be held accountable for that Jesus had to bleed out for. I'm not accepting blame for sins that occurred centuries before I was conceived between a high school senior and his freshman uh, girlfriend. No, no, I, I, I will not be guilted. No, I won't. Now, I will do what I can to help you fight what God says is clearly injustice in my time. And I think I've demonstrated a, a record of doing so. But to, to claim that me or Aaron in New York or anybody like us are guilty of something because the color of our skin is, is ironically the very heart of racism. The idea that someone is to be judged by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. As far as I know, and I'm a bit of a history buff, I don't know of another nation on earth whose majority populations literally took the sword to each other's throats over a dispute about how the minority population was treated. I, I, don't, I don't know of another nation on earth that has that story. Ours does, though. We don't have a perfect history. We have a lot of red in our ledger. We still practice child sacrifice like it's 150 BC, and we're still having a lot of the same racial arguments we were having 150 years ago during the Civil War. But I do know this. Despite those injustices and imperfections, God has shed his grace on thee and this nation has been used to do more good in this world than any institution in the last 2,000 years under the, other than the church itself. This is, there's two separate things happening here. There's racial division and anger and then there's an insurrection. The insurrection has to be put down first and mercilessly. It has to, has to be put down first. Every Antifa thug should have a bullet from a soldier or a cop with their name on it if they refuse to accept the handcuffs. They are enemy combatants and terrorists. They might as well be named Muhammad Atta as far as I am concerned. Did you see this? Did you see the screen, the, 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 the skyline of Philadelphia that Aaron showed last hour? 
See that video? Didn't that look like 9-11 to you? It did. Sure as hell did. All of them should be treated accordingly. And what you're to find, a lot of them are white, actually. Like the guy that uh, went after the historic building in Nashville they arrested yesterday. Now, that's step one. Step one is Antifa must be confronted, rooted out, and erased. 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 Like cholera. 30. Like a year from now, we're like, remember when Antifa was a thing? And then there's just like a mass grave. Erased. Or, or, or a giant cell block in Guantanamo Bay. Erased. Erased. That must happen first. Because we cannot deal honestly with the racial issue here on the side until the insurrectionists are gone. The grifters, the opportunists, the people that are yeah. trying to sow even more division and discord in our country. They must be erased and treated as terrorists first. Thanks to the dreaded lockdowns, did you too succumb to the virus known as the Quarantine 15? Well, now the warmer weather is here. It is June. It'll be summer officially later this month. Great time to reboot those New Year's resolutions that uh, the, the, the lockdowns um, got rid of for you. Get back on the wagon with Dr. Developed Riduzone. It's an excellent way to curb the cravings for those foods that you love, but they end up derailing your discipline because you can't just stay away because you can't just... I've still... Man, I've, I still have a couple bags of pumpkin spice Kit Kats. I've been saving them from last fall. Opened them up. That's See, the thing is, can you eat just a couple of them? Just the mini ones. If you need just a couple of them, you're all good. Can you can you open that bag, though, without eating nine or ten of them? That's the key. All right? And that's where Riduzone comes in. It uh, has, it's the only FDA-accepted product that has OEA. Uh, that's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster while burning stored fat and reducing your calorie intake. And I got to tell you, the pumpkin spice Kit Kats in the middle of a summer day, phenomenal. Is there ever a bad time in your world for no, pump seed? No, well, no, okay. no, no, but not at all. Summer day and stuff. Take it, uh, take it from uh, me. It's not what you're eating, but how much, all right? So, riduzone.com can help you with that. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E is the website to go to, riduzone.com. Get up to 65% off your order today, plus free shipping. Up to 65% off, plus free shipping if you use the promo code Steve at riduzone.com. Promo code Steve at riduzone, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. 888-900-3393 is the phone number as we continue with our Monday Town Hall, getting your reaction to what has transpired in our country for the last few days. Let's go to Utah next. Holly, thank you for your patience. You're next here on The Blaze. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's really disappointing and really upsetting to see how people are behaving. I mean, it's, it's deeply offensive. This isn't America, or these so-called Americans, the way that they're behaving is just disgraceful. I'm, uh, I was in downtown Salt Lake City the other day, and I just am amazed. I was down by a town hall, and there's graffiti and vandalism all over the town hall in Salt Lake, and people have been flipping over cop cars, and it's upsetting. And I know there were um, a caller earlier was talking about how he doesn't feel as hopeful for the first time. And I definitely can relate to that. I know there are others who have as well, but I also, um, 
I do trust God. I know that he is in control ultimately. And I mean, we, we do have free will and that's why, you know, people argue. I've got friends and, you know, family even saying, you know, well, if God is great, if God is good, why hasn't he stepped in? Because we have free will. And that's why America is so great. Even though there are these awful things happening, we have free will. Um, and that can't be taken away. Freedom is messy. You know, I don't know. It's just it's upsetting. I wish I, I wish. Holly, I could, can I ask you a couple questions? Do you mind? Yeah, please. Okay, so no, go ahead. you're there in Salt Lake City, Utah has the highest per capita mm-hmm. church attendance among the general population of any state in the union. It's considered arguably our most conservative state. When these things are going on in Salt Lake City, what is your governor and your law enforcement um, uh, leadership? What are they doing there in Utah while this is happening? Well, I think it's kind of a split. There are officers who are... They're God-fearing men and women who are wanting to be there for their citizens and defend them and protect them. But then, you know, I'm frankly, I've been kind of disappointed in our governor. Some of the things that he's mandated and the way he's responded to this, I mean, the whole COVID thing at the beginning. But I mean, it's, I think, I think he's a good man. I just don't agree with everything he's been doing. I definitely don't agree with contact tracing. So I think there's, there's a split. I think that for the majority, there are a lot of officers who, like I said, are God-fearing. They want to protect and... Um, I mean, I know that I saw at the town hall, the patrol, highway patrolmen were in the front protecting and and guarding town hall so Mm -hmm. people couldn't get inside. And for the most part, there wasn't really any conflict going on. They were standing there and holding their ground. No one was being violent. I know there has been. So I don't know. It's I think that they're doing the best that they can. Really? I think they're shocked. I'm shocked. To, you know, I didn't grow up in Utah, but I, I mean, I, I have a lot of family here and I've been around Utah pretty much my whole life and seeing the way that people are being are, are acting now here is it is shocking just because of the, the culture. You know, I don't because I think there's I think if, if if you're like our previous caller, Aaron in New York, that you referenced to for the first time in his life, he, he doesn't have hope for the future. If, if you're in New York State yeah. or New York City, you know your leadership is bad. You know this, right? I mean, you're not, you you weren't shocked that that COVID-19 didn't bring out the best in Bill de Blasio, right? But if I I was sitting in young Aaron's shoes and I'm listening to Holly in Utah tell me about the lawlessness in her home state, I'm probably thinking, man, if they can't lock this down in Utah, where where can you lock this down then? I mean, if if you can't have law and order in Utah, tell me where are you, where you can have it then? Where, where in America it's achievable then? Exactly. It's, it's, it's devastating. And that's, I mean, this is, and that earlier caller talking about the 60s, I, I very much agree with you with all due respect to her. This is, we, we have a past, we have a history that Americans obviously have not learned from. This is more dangerous because we have, we have all this history to learn from. We have more information than we did even then. And we're still acting this way. It's, yeah, it's well, and, 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 and Walter Cronkite and Roger Mudd and the media there, they were all Democrats, too. They didn't want Richard Nixon to win either. Mm-hmm. They didn't hate America. Like, they, like, like Walter Cronkite right. did not provide a platform for insurrection against the United States. Like, he was giving grim updates when I was a kid on the, on the hostage crisis in the 70s. Not spouting Iranian propaganda in, 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 into American homes. So... 
it's 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 mm. definitely different now. Holly, thank you for the call. God bless you. Go ahead, Todd. Well, on, along that line, she used a phrase, and I know she, she meant it from a good pl- a place, but she said, people are out there doing their best. That's a problem. Like, hardly anybody has been doing their best for a very, very long time. Right uh, on my uh, Facebook pa- uh, Twitter page, excuse me, the... the ch- Raleigh chief of police publicly went forward and said, quote, I will not put an officer in harm's way to protect the property inside of a building. The the chief of police is just saying, I mean, sometimes events go bad. They can't be everywhere at once. But she's telling you, you're you're on your own. We're not going to do our jobs. Meanwhile, in my home state of Wisconsin, my sister texts me this week and says, uh, if you go to mass, if uh, you can all, it can only be 25%, I believe that's the number, uh, capacity. And they are going to be putting people, observers, in church to see if there's too many. Mm. So this is, this is the wild, wild west we're living in. The people going to worship the good and the true and the beautiful are being treated like criminals. And the criminals are being allowed to get away with it. No one is trying their best. We must redefine what that word is, get back to the beginning, because the American Revolution is over. The redux has to happen. We need to go back and get it. There's no recovery effort left. Do you think we might have sent, because these things, I believe, were coordinated. Um, I think this uh, this this is an attempted insurrection. And I don't think they just started doing this in response to, 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 to George Floyd. I think they had things of this nature ready to go, waiting perhaps for a moment like this. Correct. Do you think, if, if, if my hypothesis is correct, do you think we might have sent them the exact wrong signal? When two years ago, the Republican majorities in Congress decided to hold a lame duck session, not to finally repeal Obamacare, not to finally defund Planned Parenthood, not to finally secure the American border or to balance the budget, but in order to make sure that uh, we had uh, prison reform and let a bunch of guilty people that had committed crimes go. And then we followed that up with 67,000 people. 67,000 inmates around the country have been released from jail cells because of COVID-19 spread. 67,000 is the number. 67,000. Do you think we might have sent insurgent groups like Antifa the wrong signal about where our priorities are with those, with those moves before this occurred? Do you think it's at least remotely possible? What do you think? Well, I'm certain it's possible okay. and it wasn't ju- sure wasn't well, sure wasn't sure i wasn't sure what signal it sends to near wells troglodytes uh pos's and pond scum knuckle draggers when you let sixty-seven thousand people go into gen in, back into the gen pop and several of them have murdered and raped and and assaulted other people because you're concerned that they're going to get the virus as opposed to what they will do to the people in, in their homes if you let them out i i, I wasn't sure what signal that set because i don't know now I'm, I'm told we can't be for the death penalty or we're racist on the right now and and we've got to release more prisoners than even democrats do to get you know one percent more of a vote that that, that's what i've been constantly bombarded with in conservative media for the last few years Uh, not coincidentally speaking of signals this is the same signal that was ultimately sent uh uh the gop 
in anointing Trump. We're tired of you do nothing, know nothings. We're going to go another direction. And now, as you just said, the guy is not taking up the mantle in this time when we really need to, when there's no choice. It's all the same signals. It's about, are we going to be America or aren't we? And people are tired of being lectured to and now being made to be criminals when they go to church. They will reach out to increasingly desperate means, which is the whole meaning behind whether Trump said it or not. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. What options are left? We are leaderless. We are rudderless. If it comes down to my family or yours, I'm going to make a choice accordingly. What other options have you given me? Well, if you want to see some leadership, uh, our friend Jesse Kelly put this out there earlier today. If you want to see some leadership, let this get out into the suburban, rural, residential neighborhoods where everybody's got guns. You will see some leadership then. You may not like the result because you'll be pulling bodies out of there. That, and that, if, if you if you if you're not going to have institutional justice, you're going to force people to take it upon themselves at that point. Correct. Let's go back to the phones. Christina is in Texas. Welcome to the Blaze, Christina. Go ahead. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I um, listen to you every day. Thank you. I really love your content. Um, so I I agree with you that you know. I'm not really surprised that this is happening. I think it was coordinated because of what we saw the last time this happened. Um, when was that? Sometime last year, I think. Um, you know, the rioting, because it's not protest, it's rioting. Um, but, and, and you said, you know, if it is backed by Obama or George Soros, well, don't you have to cut the head off the snake? in order to kill the whole body. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know? sure. Mean, can't they, can't investigations be done? Because you know that these things are coordinated, they're funded, you know, there's there's stuff on Twitter where they're showing pallets of bricks being dropped off, you know, in certain strategic right. places. Right. Um, somebody has to pay for that. Agreed. I totally agree. That's a good yeah. question. So, so the, the point that I'm making is, the point that I'm making is that... The point that I'm making is, though, this is why it is revival or bust. By all means, I'm okay if you bury George Soros in a hole and and lose the hole. I'm totally fine with it, okay? Um, but ultimately, he's a hydra. This is a spirit of the age. This is a spiritual, demonic influence that we have allowed into the culture. And, it, and you can go after all of its various human manifestations all you want. But eventually, if you really want to root it out, the head of the snake is the demonic influence, not the face. The faces can change. The head of the snake is, is the spirit of the age. It's at, that, that's at the heart of it. That's, the, that's, that's where a healthy society doesn't let for 60 years and then subsidize it. People to use their university and education system to indoctrinate their their last two generations with this stuff long before any of us even knew who a George Soros was. That That's the point I was trying to make, Christina. I'm almost out of time, though. I want to give you the last word. Go ahead. Right. And I totally agree with you. We are a lost society. <laughs> totally lost. And, and I just hope that they can get whoever is leading this and not have another head spring up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, thank you I for the, thank you for the, and say, oh, 
we take that down. I think everybody agrees with that. But I think to get for that to happen, you have to have revival. We have to restore. Um, a, we have to restore a, a plumb line, a cornerstone in the culture. We are rudderless. There isn't one right now. There isn't one, and. This is going to look like the Old West. If this gets out to the suburban rural areas, it's going to start looking like the Old West. I think people okay. like me and, and the other Aaron that called in who are in this mindset of uh, kind of losing hope for America, we've got to make a decision which Old Testament prophet we're going to be like. Uh, is that Jeremiah or Jonah? Yeah. Because Jonah, I mean, he was sent to a godless, a godless society like the one that we're staring down the barrel of right now. He preached, uh, you know, everybody knows that story. He's still he's not portrayed well, even at the end of, of that book, because he wanted to see, you know what to hell you can go bugger your, yourselves. It, he wanted to see destruction on these people. And begrudgingly, he did preach the gospel. But he's still not regarded as necessarily that uh, great of a figure. Jeremiah still did. He was faithful, but he was the weeping prophet for a reason. We make references to him all the time. God eventually did bring uh, bring revival, but that was uh, that was not exactly ideal circumstances either. So we've got to we've we've got to decide which way. And I'll just just full disclosure, right now I'm in Jonah territory as well. I'll take care of the things that God has has given to me right in my own sphere. I will do the best to steward them. But holy cow, I'm just like having I right now with this culture, I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted by the rioters. I'm disgusted by the politicians like Marco Rubio who's trying to make all these false equivocations. People like Trump tweeting while he's hunkered down in a bunker. I'm disgusted by all of that. I want to I want this to have it your way, Burger King. I want uh, I, I, you know just, just start slapping yourselves with fish, veggie tails. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. I gotta, I gotta change Great that. Reference. But yeah, it's that's where we are. Todd, you have any final thoughts? That's my man right there. That's my boy. No, I love that. I, it, we, it, it's no nonsense. It, if it refuses to offer quarter to the stupid, we've been doing that for far too long. 30. It's not worth it. It never was. We've been telling you. Move on. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace. If you'd like to become one and get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV, if you're already a subscriber, it'll be posted there for you later today. Thanks to all of the calls and all of you for tuning in. We are back at it again tomorrow, yeah. noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.